Yes, hello. Welcome back to the Ultra Culture Podcast. My guest today is Noah Lampert, who I've been friends with for actually a long time now. He runs the podcast Synchronicity with Noah Lampert. And Noah is a super, how do I describe Noah? He's a super, super positive guy. That's the main way that I would describe him. He is endlessly, effervescently optimistic and hopeful about mysticism, the future, psychedelics, and cryptocurrency, and blockchain in general. And he and I had a really good conversation on that topic on this podcast. So it's been a while since we've talked about crypto or Web3 on the podcast. We were talking about NFTs before, but as you may be aware, if you follow this space at all, crypto has pretty much, crypto is going through one of its down cycles right now. So people who are new to crypto see that Bitcoin and all related cryptocurrencies will go down like 50%, 80% at a time. And it's apocalyptic and everything's crashing. And actually the economy is not looking great right now. But people who have been around longer understand that these things just come in cycles and waves. So NFTs we have been talking about because we've been experimenting with them just from a technological standpoint for courses that market is also super down, except for the artists who truly believe in it. So while most people would say, well, it's time to get out of the pool, I would say this is actually the time to really look closely and for look for opportunities to build really, really interesting and exciting things. Because when the people who are just pure greed speculators are out of the pool, that's usually when the really interesting innovation happens. It's just the people who truly believe in the technology and want to do cool stuff with it. They're the people that are left and they are the people that come up with the things that provide the next wave, the next te- the technologies that are in the next round of crypto, which truly is transforming everything on the planet. So Noah is somebody that I turn to just for a really good, he's been in this, this world for a long time. He is really into using magic and psychic abilities to try and influence the prices of crypto, which is super fun. And he swears by it. So definitely a cool person to have on the podcast. If you are not aware of cryptocurrency or Bitcoin or NFTs, I have a class about it. Bitcoininsider.io bitcoininsider.io. It's a full training, master training in in Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrency. And you know what? I'm actually going to offer a really good discount on it right now because everything is down, the economy is down, and people are looking for ways to build wealth long term. This is actually perhaps a really good time to get back in the game now that things are down to get into the game or get back in if you haven't been in to start learning about it. So I'm just going to go ahead and just, I just, this is a spur of the moment thing, but I 50% discount on Bitcoin insider. You can take complete half off, no special occasion, no, you know, I'll leave it up for probably the, until the next podcast comes out. So while this pod, you know, so for the week after this podcast comes out, you can go take 50% off Bitcoin insider.io get completely up to speed on how Bitcoin blockchain and cryptocurrency works and hit the next cycle running the let's see the coupon. I'll just use, use the coupon ultra culture. So same name as this podcast ultra culture one word and you'll be able to get 50% off. All right. So 
With that said, please welcome my friend, Noah Lampert. We had a great time talking and you're really, really going to enjoy this, whether you are interested in crypto or not. This is a great fun and really entertaining conversation and a great was I learned a lot and I hope that you enjoy it just as much as I did. All right. P.S. This should go without saying, but let me just say it officially. This podcast is not and should not be taken as financial advice. Nothing in this podcast should be taken as financial advice. I have no financial credentials whatsoever. Noah has no financial credentials whatsoever. If you're going to do anything with money, talk to a registered financial professional. This is just two dudes bullshitting on the internet. Okay. Do your own research. Okay. And, and, but, but seriously, like think, think very clearly and talk to somebody who actually knows what they're doing before you do anything with crypto. Okay. show i can't, i actually have, i was i'm for some reason i thought i'd had you on before but i have i've just been on your show a bunch of times so is that right for, yeah, I, yeah i couldn't remember either yeah so thank you for finally finally coming on there's a lot to talk about i'm i mostly wanted to talk about what's happening with crypto and nfts and your magical theories about them but do you want to start off by just introducing yourself Sure. Um, I'm Noah. I uh, I think most people probably know me for having a podcast, uh, being a friend of our mutual friend Duncan, um, where I talk about you know some of the things we're interested in, mysticism, you know, the intersection of kind of like the modern unreality we live in, and kind of mysticism and all that cool stuff. Um, and yeah, I've also been involved with cryptocurrency since, uh, April of 2013, where I think like a lot of people found out about Bitcoin. I was found out about it through the Silk Road. That was like, oh, you can buy drugs online. Like I want to find out more about this. And then, then that introduced me to Bitcoin. And from there, it's just been like a, a truly insane ride, like beyond and I just couldn't even imagine where I'd be now from like pulling that initial thread from like the Silk Road. So that's that's kind of who I am in a nutshell. Nice. So do you want to talk about what that process has been like? Sure. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I can tell you the only time I've ever made a YouTube video in my life is when I first discovered Bitcoin, just because the principles behind it, primarily decentralization, immutability, um, and just the rapidity of which money can be sent or funds can be sent, like really caught my imagination. And I was like, oh, I see how this works. Like, as more people find out about this, it's going to gain in popularity and the price will go up. Like, there's a direct correlation between consciousness being directed at it and price and both ways, volatility both ways. And since then, you know, I mean, it's been what nine years, I guess. I mean, to see how far it's come, um, just as more than Bitcoin, but just like the cryptocurrency space and this intersection of consciousness and money has been like truly remarkable to the point where now my relationship with like the energy of money at large is fundamentally altered to the point where like it's hard for me even to take it seriously which can put me at odds with pretty much the majority of people out there because that's not most including my own in the past not 
people's relationship with money. It is something to be taken seriously. It can be a major pressure in people's lives. It can be a major stressor. Um, people, even if they have a lot of it, can be obsessed with it. But what I've seen kind of behind the scenes or just like being involved in the cryptocurrency space is it's just not as real as we would think it should be. And that's both like liberating and also a little scary because like, you know, a, a lot of people are stuck on this cog of like, you know, money and it dominating their lives. And um, I always saw kind of cryptocurrency as a way to subvert that. And I've been pretty pleased to see that that is uh, achievable and not like a, uh, like a hard, I won't say not hard, but like it's achievable by pretty much anyone. Let's talk about that. Let's, let's, let's pick that up because I think I'm sure everyone has heard of crypto and NFTs at this point. They probably are completely sick of hearing about them. They never want to hear about those damn monkeys again, et cetera, et cetera. But, it, but in the long, I mean, it literally has been only nine years. I got into it at that say about 2014 It's someone I met found out about the silk road at that time also i'm not gonna someone someone i know and but someone i know did not hodl <laughs> so uh so there you go but um in tr the one thing that people are probably not aware of now that was so clear then that people have forgotten is that crypto bitcoin specifically was a direct child of the occupy movement you know, like I was very involved in Occupy. I was camping out for weeks and, you know, obstructing traffic and all kinds of fun stuff. And that's so easily forgotten is just that, you know, at that time, it was so crazy that everyone had just pegged that the system is just permanently rigged and is, is an unwinnable game that is not set up by or for them. And now that we have the internet, it's just you can't pretend really otherwise as long as you're paying attention. And so the idea of Bitcoin, I think Bitcoin took the energy, I think consciously of, of Occupy and just said, well, let's just recreate our own system. And that's kind of been lost now or forgotten a bit just because crypto has become such like a big institutional player thing. People now associate it with just nft bros and scamming and that type of thing and so that i think and and for me looking at having now gone through so many cycles of this the ico cycle the nft cycle like so many like get rich quick schemes that just turned it were just clearly vaporware um you know the one project that still sticks out to me as carrying that spirit is monero so that's the one that i truly believe i don't know about an investment but that's the one i truly believe in as a technology I still use Monero. I mean, there are certain things if you want to, uh, you know, carry the tradition of the Silk Road forward, Monero is going to be the currency of choice because it. a lot of people back in the day made, I, I, I know you know this, the misconception that Bitcoin was somehow anonymous or I mean, it's literally the opposite. If you know someone's address, you can see all, it's like Venmo. You can see every <laughs> single thing that they're doing. So, I mean, it's like, but Monero is cool. Um, I do think the privacy coins over time, as we seemingly move more towards kind of like, you know, centralized organizations knowing more and more about our behavior and what we're doing, privacy coins will probably begin to function more like digital cash, which I think Bitcoin was kind of conceived to be, but probably is not going to be the equivalent of like a private way. If I give you 20 bucks, you know, I don't have to report that to the IRS and they don't know. 
that is not the case anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think people do see Bitcoin as a, a quote unquote store of value, although it's quite volatile. So, but it seems like that's where it's going to be. Well, I wanted to talk about where we're at right now because crypto is at least apparently tanking. One of the things that, you know, if you obviously, you know, technical, technical analysis, if you step out of the headlines a bit and just look at it's gone to the 200 moving average on 200 day moving average on the weeklies, which is completely within its normal fluctuation pattern. So uh, we I think we have both been through many, many cycles now of oh, Bitcoin's crashing. Bitcoin's dead. The dream is over. It's all over. And and there have definitely been times where We've interacted on Twitter and I've been very pessimistic and you've been like, no, just hold on. It's, it's going to be amazing. And I'm like, no, it's over. And then, well, I, I should have listened. So there you go. I mean, the thing with it is like, at least with Bitcoin, like every year that it got past not being 51% attacked or taken down by like a foreign government or, a, you know, a nation state, basically... And this goes back to what you were saying about the foundations of it. There are people who have so much Bitcoin, it's hard for you and I to imagine the dollar equivalent who were one early people who shared the ethos of like making something more equitable and fair. And that's why when we see these crazy events, you know, the most recent one with the the UST and the terror blowing up and these attacks, just really cool shit. In my opinion, unless you were in this stuff, which to me was Big red flags, by the way, if you're getting 20 to 30% on stable coins, like that's called a Ponzi scheme for sure. Like, don't put your money in that. Are you, are you talking about like anchor protocol and things like that? Just DeFi in general? Yeah, I mean, I, I think DeFi right now just isn't what people would idealistically want it to be, which is kind of like a way for anyone to earn interest or lend or borrow in a way that would be decentralized. Um, because most of it is just yield farming and basically like trying to dominate pools and get a certain percentage so you can like farm something, a token, and then dump it. Um, and I think GameFi, which has been my latest kind of sojourn into the crypto world, is also just like yield farming basically with extra steps right now. Like there isn't actually a game that's cool to play that is on the blockchain. Like that will happen. And it's clearly there are a lot of things moving towards that. But, you know, we never get the perfect iteration of like if you compare like which it's a great game and I love it but the original Mario Brothers to like Elden Ring like <laughs> I mean, it's like they're completely it's, it's it's not even close to what you would be able to say about the two so that's typically what you get in crypto and as you know it just they iterate so fast and it's right. always in production and it's always live so you're just getting these like not fully formed ideas and then you know like everything there are Amazons, there are Microsofts, there are winners amidst all the dot-com busts that really do serve some value and provide some utility for people. So those tend to like parabolically go up and stay up yeah. for over a long enough period of time. That, that's definitely something really important to to understand. That And I, was, I saw it explained recently in a really good way, which is Bitcoin is at least hopefully a store of value. Everything else is a tech startup like all of the other coins. And the thing is that just like tech startups, they have a cycle. I mean, even as we saw last year, Ethereum is ridiculously slow and expen and ridiculously expensive when the network is congested. I think when the Yuga Labs did their last, well, I think just a couple of weeks ago, they did their, their new uh, ape drop or whatever. And yeah, and, and the gas prices were like $4,000 that weekend. 
it was r- just ridiculous. So, but for people who may not know, I, I think maybe just to catch up on some terms, I mean, DeFi. I guess the basic way to explain it would be it's kind of like a, a nor- like a cash deposit or like you just drop money somewhere and then you just get interest on it. But it's like way more because it's crypto because you're depositing crypto for other people to use, and hopefully it works. But. That's essentially that's that's as much as anyone would need to understand without wanting to go find out more about it. And okay. then like it also like weirdly, the more complex these things get, the more simple they get. Like here's the main thing, and I think we could boil down most crypto to this. You're trading magic beans for other magic beans. Sometimes the value of the magic beans you have goes up a lot. Learn how to deal with those relationships. That's like that's really left curving it. You know the meme with the left and the right curve, left first, left curves idiot, right curves genius, middle curve is everyone debating what's right or wrong be on one of the sides of the curves and recognize most of the time we're not the genius like i I, no. although i love that the genius is always in like a warlock robe in those memes so so i I appreciated that so well also i think do you want to you want to catch the audience up on what happened, just what just happened with terra terra luna and um and and tether yeah, it's super intense. Tether, by the way, um, I d- have not bought an ounce of the kind of, listen, every company where it's servicing kind of as like a centralized bank, where Tether is just a stable coin where it's theoretically backed one to one. So you can trade all of your whatever into USDT and then it's backed. That's, it's, it's, People don't like Tether, but it's a reputable enough coin that it's stood the test of time. And so all these things are having to maintain pegs, right? Meaning they have to stay pegged to a dollar, which is the standard, which can become difficult for a variety of reasons, which we don't need to go into. Anyway, Terra Luna was a two-token system that was aiming to be kind of a decentralized collateral like de- collateral currency. So a lending protocol, like the heart of DeFi. And it was worth like, I think at the peak, like $40 billion, something like that. It was a top 10 coin, uh, Terra was. And the stable coin was UST. So that's their supposed to be a dollar coin. Someone figured out because they were the the founder and kind of leader of Terra Doquan, who was a very seemingly nice and cool guy, got a little cocky in the space and started saying, you know, like, we're going to do this and the price of Bitcoin is going to be this, which is not what he's supposed to be doing. Someone found a vector of attack. Uh, it's still, I think, unknown who exactly did this, which speculated could be any number of large firms or entities. They basically attacked his protocol and they did this by basically making them force sell the Bitcoin that they had in their reserves to try to maintain the peg of their stablecoin, UST. And as this happened, they ran out of money. They lost the peg. The way the two token system works with Terra is, is when the peg is loot, uh, lost, they sell the Terra. So they have to start selling Terra or Luna, rather, this other coin. And that was $110 at the time. Long story short, both of those coins are trading for fractions of a cent right now. 30 to $40 billion was wiped off the table overnight. It caused like a cataclysmic candle down in Bitcoin, you know, like five, six thousand dollar candle wick down into the, the 20s. Um, and people have been like super shook since then because this is like one of the biggest events that's happened in yeah. the space. Um it's from my perspective, like you said, the 200 EMA, like just where Bitcoin is, just feels like Bitcoin's been ranging down since November, but like it's still in a normal range. And like yeah, yeah. I've learned in these cycles, like you just need to survive. 
You just need to get to the next point where everyone believes all this shit is the best tech in the entire world. It's revolutionary because <laughs> it does happen. So just try to like level up each time to the best of your ability. Um, and then it becomes like a fun game. At least it, it, that's kind of how, since I've been approaching it like that, I think I've had more success than like trying to like know stuff about things. Like I still yeah. know because I like I've been doing this stuff, but like I don't really like it doesn't influence my decision. You know what that's I mean? Like great. at this point, it's just like it can't. Yeah, that's great. I think like, you know, I've definitely had many as I've put it to a friend recently, oh, the agony and the ecstasy of crypto. I've definitely had some extreme highs and extreme lows. There are now therapists whose only job is to deal with people with crypto addiction and and trauma. So, but that said, you know, and I've definitely taken some, it had some successes and taken some knocks. And, but one thing that I've definitely learned is zoom out, just, just zoom out and chill. And, like Bitcoin has always been volatile and the press has constantly leapt on it because they want to see it die and they want to be right and laugh at everyone and it's not going away. And I think it will be a long, long last. It is clearly the, you know, at least a step forward in the evolution of money. And it also the, the ramifications for society of blockchain are still, I think, barely been tapped despite the fact that it's very slow, but that people are working on that. This is like where I think we get into like this weird, like, I don't like, I like blockchain tech because Bitcoin, you know, is based on it. But ultimately, unless you're looking for something that's very secure and or decentralized, like it's definitely not the best tech, like a basic SQL database is a better data storage mechanism than a blockchain. However, there are really good applications of that. I don't know that it's like the most important thing, but I think people thinking about how money works and why things retain or gain or lose value that's like the biggest gift that i think like if you're going to say satoshi yeah, nakamoto yeah, yeah. whoever did these protocols worked on this stuff that's like the biggest gift they gave us cuz that's actually how i believe you change you know your relationship to abundance or money or whatever you want to call it like it, it has to be a perceptual thing rather than like a mechanical thing yeah i i that I, that for me maybe now that you put it that way i think that kind of really is the big story with bitcoin in the sense that you know the headline with bitcoin is always that it's not real it's made up it's like well that's kind of the point it just demonstrates that everything is real and made up and then with nfts it's like oh this isn't real art it's fake it's like what it, have you looked at the actual art world somebody sold a banana tape to the wall at at or at or at at, or at, Bos at at you know in, in, in Miami so so like the you know the art world is the most ridiculously unreal thing there is i mean in a way it's like we're living in the andy warholization of of money and <laughs> almost it's like so it's it's yeah so that i think is just it's just demonstrating how the system itself is not real. So I think that kind of is the point of bitcoin but it's not real but it's not any less real than anything else Exactly. That's it. I think that's to me where I found the proper relationship for me that works is approaching it kind of like that. And then trying to like take that mindset to as many areas of the crypto verse as possible because like, yeah, there's great tech out there. There's also like, I mean, I, I don't, I've gotten so many arguments with friends and people who love it, but like to me, like until the market properly values cardano at zero dollars like there's like we're i don't know the market is irrational don't try to figure it out like there's it's not worth you know now that that being said i will say most of my conviction plays that made me 
like a good amount. I really went all in on um, the Ava Avalanche ecosystem oh, uh, nice. okay. a summer ago, really got into the eco super hard. And that was a game changer because I learned it better. And I learned how to do cross chain quickly enough where when things are going up, if you can move and add chains and add RPCs and all of these things, my philosophy with all this stuff, like if you really want to like, if you really actually want to do this and make money and you know, you're going to lose some, you're going to make some, um, just do the thing that's one step harder than you, where you want to stop. Just like the thing where you're like, no, this is too complicated. I don't want to do it. Just do one thing more because you've just left behind a huge percentage of people who gave up right there. And so you're, you're dwindling down the people who are surrounding you, your company. And that means you're probably going to be higher up the food chain in terms of when something drops and there's the hot new thing. So or you're just one cycle ahead. Yeah, that's a really good point. I definitely, uh, that's a really good point. I got just ended up getting, you know, I came at it first from the, someone I met came at it from the using it as transactional currency route, but then <laughs> for certain things, but, but then I was interested in it for the financial, but then I ended up just getting really interested in the technology and during the whole NFT thing i spent a lot of time learning solidity which is like not that not that great of a programming language but it's also not that hard to learn and it's basically just java javascript with with the ability to you know be on chain and and have private functions and things like that and that was actually really interesting because it totally showed once i actually got into the mechanics of at least how the ethereum virtual machine works it's i began to realize that what you said about sql databases is so it's not only true it's that a lot of these blockchains are actually just running off of Am on amazon web services for instance uh solana says it's a blockchain but it's not decentralized they're, they're just storing things in in cloud storage with google also OpenSea apparently like all of that stuff is just the only thing that's quote-unquote decentralized is pretty much the addresses and if if OpenSea goes down all your nfts are gone it's a completely centralized. So we're already in this cycle where just like happened last time, where there's certain players that are just centralizing everything. And it's like, yeah, in theory, you don't need to use OpenSea, but nobody's not going to use, you know, there are other exchanges and you can do everything out of an exchange, but that, that does require a lot of technical overhead. So, yeah. And I think it'll get easier as time goes on. Like each iteration seems to be like enough progress forward that like, like, I feel like it's a cycle or two away from like people's parents using, you know, Coinbase or whatever it is. And like when that happens, the market cap of the whole crypto world should be probably 50 to 100 trillion dollars, which is 50 to 100 times more than it is now. I don't know when that's going to happen. I don't know when these cycles like, you well, know. Matt Damon, Matt Damon did his best fortune favors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's the other thing, like we're there's still FTX arena. There's still crypto.com, you know, Coliseum, the, these people, people in this space, the Sam Bankman Freeds of the world, like they've made enough money where they can just throw marketing dollars at enough and eventually it just seeps in. It's just propaganda, right? I mean, it's not like... Not the most responsible. I mean, I, I saw that Super Bowl commercial and I'm just like, they're just, just ripping normies off with that, basically. It's just so unethical. It's so unethical. Like people, because you know people, it's like, you know, you can tell them forever, this is not investment advice, don't, don't go all in on this. But you know, when that thing takes over on when that thing takes over, 
you know, people will bet way more money than they can afford to lose. And crypto is not the place. Crypto is not the place for it. Not not only because things can just go to zero and you have no recourse or it can be a scam and you have no recourse. But if you can't, as I've found out, if you can't just have the intestinal fortitude to just wait it out for five years, you know, one of the yeah, or 10 years, that's really how you got to look at it. If you're if you you got to hold for, you know, think of things as you're holding it for 10 years or 20 years. And I think that's the only healthy way to look at it. I, I totally agree. I think if you can hold 50 to like 80%, I mean, ideally 100% of your assets in like a down market, however long it lasts, you're doing really good. Just don't liquidate. Like, and I get it. I mean, I saw in 2017, which was the first year I made like any substantial amount of money, I think it was up to like 180 grand at one point off of like, you know, like $8,000 investment. It was just like, I, my mind was blown. I had so many Bitcoin. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. It's investing in like V chain had made so much, but then the crash happened. And some of the alts were a little slower to bleed out, but everything bled down like 90, 98%. I went down from like, I think like 180 grand, maybe I'd cashed out like 40 and like I did decent there, but then it bled down to like $6,000 and I had to start liquidating stuff. And like you're liquidating things that are 90% down. That's the pain. I've, I've been there. This, the, the pain, the pain that I've never felt more. I mean, I felt some excruciating emotional pain in my life, but nothing has been quite the same. Not necessarily not worse, but not this, the, the pain of being up at three in the morning trying to do trades to maintain it, as things are slight catching a falling knife and just doing that like an idiot as I was doing. It's like watching. All, it's just like I, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. So it's tough. It's tough because then you feel and then you start to really realize that the market, there's a direct relationship between your consciousness and it because everyone has done that thing where they they hit the buy button and then immediately it goes down and you're like yes, what yes. the fuck was that <laughs> like were they waiting or you sell or you sell it and it, and it, or you sell it and immediately goes up yeah no totally well so I, is I, that yeah. human i mean it's it does show that everyone it's like it's like an egregore i suppose everyone staring at it is is just going through the same greed and fear cycles and it's just like in terms of consciousness it's like yeah i do think it's a, a map of consciousness but it's like a map of like the worst parts of just people's like sheer greed and yeah. i think okay so i will also say like the other key thing that i think helped me this past cycle like kind of like level up a couple of times um is i i don't it's I don't want to sound too like, listen, I'm watching an investment right now slowly give me like, you know, it's death spiral. I'm getting dwindling returns. It's income, but it's getting, you know, down 35% every day. It's still enough where I'm happy. But anyway, I am not immune to the pain of losing money or having money go away. And I'm not immune from the joy and, you know, euphoria that comes from making large sums. But at this point, I really don't give a fuck. Like I, I can genuinely say I've watched seven figures fall off my portfolio at time and been more happy with less dollar amount, knowing that I cashed out the right amount. I did things that I wanted to do with the money. I was smart enough that I can get through X amount of time. Like there's, a, it's not all about the dollar amount. It's about just like being as prepared as you can, and even if you get totally asked out, like. I mean, before this last bull run, I was like six figures in debt. I was just taking out personal loans, maxing Damn, out credit dude. cards, and everyone was like, "Yo, you're crazy! What are you What's, doing?" And I'm like, Jesus. Ah, "I'm pretty sure. It's, I'm pretty sure." And this is not financial advice for real. Like, don't no, no, do, do that. Do but not. I, yeah. I did. I did have some sense that 
what I was doing at the time wasn't going to be like, I wasn't going to be like asked out on the street filing for bankruptcy. And like that, yeah. that was uh, internal questions that everyone has to deal with when they go into debt. But like my relationship to debt now and having like money in the bank, it's augmented enough that I don't hit the lows that I used to hit and the highs, like I don't take them as seriously. It's much more like a fleeting, yeah. ephemeral, like temporary thing. And that's that's been a huge advantage because I see people, man, like people right now are down and some of them are really down bad. And that emotional low, that'll fuck you up and that'll perpetuate. Oh, that yeah, people more- people have committed people have committed suicide. Of course. You know, I mean, it's, it's not any it's, different. It's not any different from regular, the regular markets. That's happens. It happens in the regular markets. It just happens so much faster and it's 24 seven and so much more volatile. But I think that, but in, but because of that, you learn a lot faster. And I think that, you know, the, in a sense, the lesson of at least just becoming aware of the markets in general, but particularly crypto is really is developing that non-reactivity. Like it, it'll teach you, like you can do meditating and study Taoism and stuff. But if you really want to learn how to not react, like try, like try putting some actual money into those crazy cycles. That's precisely why I think that's not financial. That is not financial advice, by the way, the disclaimer, but that's exactly why I love and I think I'm relatively rewarded for it because like that's what I love the most about the crypto space is it's the most effective teacher in ter- because like everyone has a very strong unconscious relationship with money. It's just like it's impossible not to from like as soon as you know what money is as like a, a child, you're going to have a strong relationship, most likely just the way our society is functioning. Oh, yeah. And you'll be imprinted. You'll be imprinted by whatever your parents' attitude is. If you grew up, whatever part of society, strata of society you grew up at, grew up with. I mean, if your parents are always stressed about money, chances are you're always you're going to be stressed about money your whole life and, and so forth. And this is just class. You know, it's just like the idea that there's no class in America is just wrong. And, and a lot of what forms class is is internal rather than it's a lot of it is ex a lot of it is external don't get me wrong but a lot of it is is extra becomes goes from external to internal programming and i'm not on the i'm not on board with the whole i'll just say just up front i'm not like one of the new age people who says like oh you just need a new attitude towards money and things will change not 100 percent. there's definitely truth to that but because you can max out your capacity in where you are in society, but it's like I at some point have to like look, just put a Marxist analysis on it, and it's like no, like the system is set up in a certain way. Like in America, you can be the richest per, you know, you can you can be totally rich, and then you can get sick, and the medical in the medical system can wipe out your life savings overnight. So yeah, it can, and it's really fucked up. I've also found <laughs> the pandemic taught me a lot about how the federal government works. Um, You know, the way they, these PPP loans, um, which I took full advantage of, you know, legally. Yeah, you know who, you know who, you know who primarily got those loans, by the way? Me? Uh, Well, well, be careful before what I say next. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, I, I, I'm a small business owner, so I was, I I was glad that was there too. But like the person, the people who got the most, the, the majority chunk of those loans were Donald Trump's friends, particularly Jared Kushner. So there, that shows you how the government, at least under that administration works. And so here's what I started kind of 
and I approach crypto a very similar way because there's a lot of bad actors, there's a lot of crypto bros, there's a lot of people just like kind of gross with money in that field. And especially when traditional finance starts to pile in, you get all of that on top of it too, where traditional finance like also comes in with the idea that someone has to lose. Something that has happened and there's not a huge abundance of this, although I do see the segment growing, there are people in crypto who legitimately share the wealth. Like there's, I know enough of them that have benefited from it and, you know, try to help as many people as I can in this space. Because when you have a certain amount and you know, it's more than you and your immediate family need, like you start becoming generous or you start being able to enact things where you know like hey if back in the day someone could give me five grand that would have changed my life and you know that you have a friend or someone's like doing that that is something that i see growing as kind of an ethos for a lot of people it's not the majority it's probably a very small percent but i kind of like to go into like this the ppp stuff all the federal government I try to like Robin Hood it as much as possible. And I just have to hold myself accountable for whatever ethical standards I feel like I'd want to adhere to to like justify that ultimately. Um, but that approach for me is like exciting enough that I I, you know, I'll swim with, you know, people who are like horrible, like just like horrible, you know, degenerate, like they don't give a shit about anyone else. And I know that I'm swimming in a pool of money with those people, but. I also know that like, hey, if I play this right, I come out of here with enough money and I can actually make like a substantial change to enough people's quality of life that like it's worth it. And that's a slippery slope. Don't get me wrong. That's like a very slippery ethical slope. But I see enough people, you get enough people with like a $25 million, although that's not going to be that much in like 10 years, let's say a billion dollars, not that many, but like, you know, five people that's enough to change a lot of social groups and kind of like really make differences if that money is spread, not like equally, but like in a more egalitarian way. So I do see that kind of evolving as a sphere of cryptocurrency because I've benefited tremendously. Like all of my wins, I will say this flat out, every single one of my wins has come from a friend. Like it has been either not a directly a tip, but it's been a community effort in a variety of ways that I literally could not have done by myself. And that stacks on itself. Um, so I do see that kind of emerging as a theme in crypto because you can make so much so quickly. But you also, like you said, you have to balance that against the, you can lose it just as quickly. Right? Yeah, you got to be say, prepared for Elevator that. up. Stairs up, <laughs> cut the elevator cord on the way down. They, That's they, the thing or, I just read. Yeah, or they or they say, you know, uh, uh, buy high, sell low. <laughs> um, yeah, everyone's a master at that at one point. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a pretty brutal teacher. Uh, I think. Yeah, just to play slight devil's advocate. So, first of all, that I, that's that's wonderful that people are doing that, and I'm I'm all for that. Just to play in terms of being generous and giving back, I'm all for that. I I try to do that in whatever way I can. You don't have to have money to do that. You know, you can have no money and and you know be there for somebody. But I think that that um, just to play devil's advocate, it's like well you know, traditional billionaires do the same thing. 
you know, Jeff Bezos is giving away lots of money. Bill Gates gave gives tons of money away, and yet they're still, you know, they they still. Yeah, at a, I think that at a certain level of society, money is just like it doesn't matter. You're the bank in monopoly. It's like money is meaningless because at a certain point, the system just gives you the keys to be able to to the codes. You know, it's like you can at that point set it the way that you want, and that's real power and wealth, not the tokens of the game. Like actual power and wealth is the ability to change the game. Which is should be interesting for magical thinkers because you don't necessarily need to be Jeff Bezos to do it. Exactly. And that to me is like kind of like that's a different like the game I'm at least playing with cryptocurrency is like, do I have a pipe dream of buying the Miami Dolphins and making them one of the NFL's reputable sports franchises? Which just to be clear, the NFL is like one of the worst organizations that's ever existed. It's truly despicable in every way. Still a dream of mine. But really, that power kind of influence game isn't something I'm interested in. The most interesting and the biggest benefits I've seen from like being able to make some money in crypto is not having to stress out with a family, being able to help people if they're in kind of a bind, and just then thinking about questions that come after the level of like survival. Like, how do I make enough to do what I need to do? Those questions, I think, are more useful kind for like our evolution as a person than like, you know, how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to be able to go this? How am I going to meet someone if I don't have any money? Like all these types of things. So those are things that I think should be basic rights for people. And I hope we move towards systems where that's more well, you could always you could always move you could move to Canada. You know, but failing that, since we live in the the you know the the brutal disunited states of America, it's we're on our own. But no, I agree with you, and and a lot of I really came to that conclusion. A lot of the courses on Magic.me include a financial and material component, or start with it for that reason, because I definitely came to the conclusion just from my own observations that spiritual talking about spiritual liberation is all well and good and is the goal but you can't talk about it without talking about like literally just making people's material lives better because you cannot as, as i know when you're in an extreme poverty and you have nothing to your name and you're you're homeless practically or homeless you you can't focus on anything except your second to second survival it's you're you're more you're you're totally bound within the material right it's just it's like a different type of consciousness and it's you you can learn a lot there i mean i i think that um i'm not a you know i'm not one of these people i'm not a republican you know what i mean so let's just let's just let's just yeah i I, i'm tucker pilled i watch tucker carlson every night and yeah no no no, i am not a republican uh i'll just leave it at that without going on a spiel i think that speaks for itself but uh it's just like you know it's so much it's like well let me just put it right you can't meditate if you don't have a place to meditate right or peace and quiet or you know your life is not that's the first two rungs of yoga are are get the stress out of your life the only way to effectively get the stress out of your life unless you take a a very reduced quality of life like you're a monastic which is a totally legit option is to you know basically have the financial means to buy yourself some time i think that's the the buddha had right i mean let's well he was rich he was he was a trust fund kid let's be uh, you know it's like (laughs) he did renounce but come on i mean he could have gone back to the palace (laughs) exactly he probably did he could have called he could have called dad (laughs) he came visited once in a while you know there's good stuff there i mean I, i i i couldn't agree more everyone who's ever been in a like a very difficult like survival mode with money like knows that's all you can really and that's like unfortunately 
mm, a lot of people's relationship with money, especially now with inflation, which yeah. is, you know, it's like people people can say it's real, it's not real, it's in, you know, a product of quantitative easing, whatever you want to say, but like it, it is affecting it's people. It's real when you go to the out. it's real when you go to the grocery yeah. store. Yeah, it's real. Like shit costs <laughs> more money than it did. And you probably didn't get the raise commensurate with the more it costs. So that's a real thing. Um, but yeah, I, I look at that. But then like on the flip side, I look at this crypto shit sometimes. And it's just like, hey, I made a, a, a very good living from digital crabs for the past four months. Literally digital crabs on the blockchain, you know, were making me more than I was making in, you know, six months a few years ago. So it's like I don't it's it's you have to weigh the seriousness of the financial predicament that we found ourselves in or can find ourselves in at any point against this weird levity of like ridiculousness. Right. And it's like that's to me the 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 game that everyone who wants to be in this space like gets to play. Um but there's it it's People, I don't think that ultimately is like what makes you. To me, it's not just about making money, right? You want if you want to make money, which is totally a reasonable goal. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't think there is. It's do you want to make money and be be happy and have a good time and be fulfilled and be you know like really fulfilled? Like that to me is a worthy goal. Just to make money to exert power or influence or as a thing itself, like that's a terrible goal. Like that will inevitably be a deal with the devil where like you're just miserable about something. So just if you can keep those ideals together, and how would you feel? Like if you were making money, like real money, the money you wanted to make, like how would you feel if you were also happy? The shit that aligns with there's that- a lot of miserable rich people. Exactly. And yeah. like, that's the, there's nothing, not, there's plenty of things worse than that, but that's like a very sad <laughs> existence it's, it's, to it's me. And cringe. you hear a lot yeah. of stories of people who like find mysticism or like, you know, alternate kind of like modalities of looking at the world through because they gain all of these material positions. They're still miserable. They're unhappy, you know, as they've ever been. And so then they tear it all down and then go find something. But you can skip that step. You yes, don't and have if any, to if any, do by it the way, like if any, like, By the way, if, if anyone like that is listening, we have a school called magic.me where you will find everything you are looking for and, and can become involved. <laughs> so, so self-plug. No, and it's true. Like that's why, like you do the things you do because you have seen and recognized that when you change your perception and relationship to reality or consciousness, that's where like you actually have some degree of I don't know if you want to say probably maybe like agency over what is happening in your life, and that's like really at the end of the day, that's pretty much all we can control, like our reaction and kind of engagement. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that's true of everyone. And that's basically what you just said. Like that is Buddhism in a nutshell. Just control your reaction. And, and, and crypto is a good teacher in that regard, for sure, as we touched upon. So that's really, I, I, what do you think about this? I mean, crypto has definitely been, it's certainly a double-edged sword based on how you handle it, but crypto has really been described I've seen it described and I might I might even agree with this as kind of like the one Hail Mary pass for millennials and Zoomers. It's just like, let's be honest, like you are utterly fucked, but there is this thing that, you know, could potentially that is is kind of like the Hail Mary pressure release, maybe. But also handled incorrectly, it can make things way worse. It, and it would like with leverage and things like that. I mean, oh, yeah, I think, never, I mean, ne listen, you know, here's <laughs> the crazy thing is like, 
I remember like I never did stocks because like they were so boring and they were slow, but let's like, we're talking about Ethereum being down like what, like 53% since the beginning of January. Netflix is down 85%. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Everyone then. always, everyone always picks on crypto, but it's like, it's, it's lockstep with the other markets, but all of a sudden it's Bitcoin's fault. And if the economy crashes, it's not going to be because of rate hikes or locking the world down for two fucking years. They're going to blame Bitcoin. So. Right. And I, it's to me, it's just like, Everything is kind of moving to this weird kind of like ridiculousness. Like, it's just like, I, I don't know if novelty is the right word, but I guess maybe it is. But it's it's becoming such a clown world in terms of like, not even necessarily a bad thing, but it's just so ridiculous that you, if you can embrace that and kind of move with that, I think you can find some like cool pockets of like benefiting from it in a way that feels authentic and again can be like life-changing in like a positive way and i'm not delusional enough to think that like you hit this wave and you're rich and you hit your lottery ticket and you're good forever that's not been my experience at all but it is something that's kind of like stacking experience on itself you you get wrecked enough you get scammed enough listen i'm sure i'll get scammed many more times but i've learned so much from each of those things i actually wouldn't trade them i've made more mm -hmm. than i've gotten scammed i mean i wouldn't be doing it i mean yeah <laughs> so have i would, but so so have i yeah so, yeah, so. But, but would you agree with the following statement that financial experience and knowledge and confidence is actually worth much more than game than actual currency I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess I mean, theoretically, but again, like I really do think it's magic beans, man. Like it's okay. just magic beans. You sell your magic beans at the right time for whatever you need at the time to get the stuff or things or whatever it is. And I think just be honest with yourself about what you think you want or what you know you want. Like, you know, I was lucky enough to take a private jet a couple of times over the pandemic and you know, it was great. I'm probably not going to do it again. It wasn't like the most important thing. I also felt like I was cheating death every single time I did it with my family. So, you know, like I, I learned there are things you think you may want, and I don't think there's anything wrong with pursuing them and then finding out like, you know what? Oh, it's not really about that. Maybe it's more about like, Hey, when my friends want to finish a movie that they're making and need some money to finish it out and they can't really do it, donating that to them is yeah. a much more satisfying you know, I think you're a hundred percent. You're a hundred percent right about that because coming at money with the idea that you're going to give it is such a more powerful way to approach it than because if you're going at money with the idea that you're going to hoard it, you're automatically reinforcing that there's not enough. You have to spend too. That's the thing I think most people fuck up in these cycles is if you spend when you make a like I'm talking you personally when you make a lot this next cycle just spend it consistently. Don't spend all of it, but just be cashing out like enough to like make your life fun. You know, whether that's like $20,000, $50,000 a month, whatever it is, take out that amount nice. <laughs> and see, you know, how you feel even when shit hits the fan, when the cycle top happens, you'll be like, Oh my God, I've taken out so much. I had all this cool experiences or things to show for it. But a lot of people like are I keep trying to stack and keep pushing it in going all in every single hand yeah that's like that's 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 like casino behavior yeah don't do that sure. that's no good when's the last time you were at in a casino by the way the last time i was in a casino was i think foxwoods um in connecticut and i found myself at a poker table like uh, i think it was like five ten dollar stakes um blinds poker table limit like 100 200 limit and it was the most depressing thing 
I oh, just so can remember in the longest time. It was just so, so sad. Depressing. Like the people you find at a poker table getting drinks at like 5 a.m. Yeah. The next day is rolled around for like, you know, you can win some money, but it's not like life changing. I was just like, yeah, it's not, it's not my. Yeah, the, the last I don't. The thing is, though, the last time I was in a casino, I was like, I ended up for whatever bizarre reason meeting up with Gabby Herstick in a casino, and oh, nice. it was like, but I was looking at all the slot machines and just like the flashing lights, and I was like, you're like, like how different is this really from all the flashy lights on on crypto charts and coin market cap and the thing? It's like, it's like it, you might as well be playing video poker at a certain level, you know, the logos of the different coins and things like that, like. You really got to go in with a plan and financial intelligence. Or just be dumb as shit. I swear <laughs> like, to God. I really like, I this mean is not that financial as sincerely advice. as I possibly can. Like, you can't kind of be dumb. I wish this was a video and we could just have a running ticker at the bottom that just keeps saying this is not financial advice. This is <laughs> true. It really should say it. But like, really like, don't put all your money on your dumbest shit plays, but have some dumbest shit plays and see how they chart out against the well thought out. And like, I say this as someone who like, I do make wagered guesses and plays on things based on tech and narrative. So I don't want to make it seem like I'm just being like dumb as shit always, but I will tell you the more I've made, the most I've made twice in this past cycle were for basically dumb as shit place. <laughs> Just like actually very stupid, like left curve. I bashed my head in with the brick type play. Um, and those, I swear that's to God, funny. those are the ones that made me more than all the other ones. So that's, I don't know what that really says funny. about me or anything. It's, well, it's, but it's, it's like, a, that's like it. a magical principle. You know, it's like when you get out of the list of result, it's like the, the harder you try, sometimes the less it works. It's like the Zen. It's like, was it really a dumb play or was it like basically you getting out of your own way? Clearly that's what I would, I have to believe. Otherwise it's just like, I'm George, I got a George Costanza at the rest of my life in crypto, <laughs> which is fine. You know, I mean, in theory, look, I mean like just rationally, you could just take put like, even you, let's, let's say you put like $10 on the top 200 names. I mean, one of those is going to moon at some point. If you did it with dog coins this past cycle, you would have <laughs> no, come of all, away of with all the of all the ones to, to all the ones to skyrocket. It's like fucking Dogecoin. I had someone before Shiba Inu popped off. They were like, "Hey, you should just throw a thousand dollars at this," and it was worth nothing. It was like Doge. I remember. I mean, I remember at one point I had millions of Doge in two thousand seven. You know what the funny thing about that is? Is like right before all that popped off, I bought an actual Doge. Like an, <laughs> and I, if, if I just and I, I'm happy with that decision, but it's just like literally, I would have been a billionaire if I just spent the, the actual Doge money on. Yeah. But of course, I never would. Have. Hindsight is always twenty twenty. Like you know, yeah. I, I, there's no you. There's no universe in which that would have made sense to do at the time. So, but that's <laughs> no, kind of the of thing not. about that's kind of the thing about crypto and investing. It's like hindsight is always twenty twenty, and you're always kicking yourself, but you forget at the time. It's like there's no way of knowing. Uh, so. I do think your idea of looking at longer timeframes, because you could be supremely wrong about a lot of these coins and still make a killing, yeah. right? Like there's that Newton chart people show it. Is it Isaac Newton who his investing chart where like he made a shit of money, told people about it, but sold early. All his friends went on to make like crazy amounts. He bought back in at the top and then watch it all go down to zero. And that's Isaac Newton. Like, that's, you know, but that, that's, that's reassuring. I mean, that, I've done that many times. I think that's most people. So yeah, no, one of the, I, I got really into when I, during the 2017 cycle, 
I like most people who get into this is like, oh, like I'm going to learn about trading, you know, like I kind of like went down that and then you learn real fast. It's like you are not as smart as you think you are. But uh, that also is a profoundly humbling and good lesson. But one of the I, I was really into this. I actually listen, I think, like every episode. There's this podcast called Chat with Traders and I was listening to all these quants and all this stuff. And one of the one of the, the thing that really came back to me again and again, other than like even the best people in the world are constantly losing and they'll have two years where they're just in the in the red it really and that really did underline the approach to me of just just buy and hold yeah but uh, and like i don't even know if trading is a good idea for professional traders at this point because so much of it is run with 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 ai and python python scripts and you're competing with the smartest people in the world who are using just buy shit when it's all going up that's basically yeah. the best thing you can do with crypto is when everything is going up and you're like hey this is crazy if it's not like you're finding out about it it's been going on for 2 weeks or a month just buy some stuff because that's those moments are where the tech gets overvalued or early accurately valued and you can actually feel what it's like to hold something that you could believe the narrative in. Mm. now also recognize like almost all of that stuff will probably draw down like 90 to 95 percent yeah even the good stuff yeah yeah no that's you got to be prepared that's what always throws people for a loop i mean if you go back and you look at bitcoin every single every single time before it's done a crazy upward move it's gone down like 83 percent yeah and like every single exactly, like many yeah. many many times and every time it's done that it's like apocalyptic for people but it's like this is this could this could go down 83 percent. in fact that would not be un, unordinary but people are going to be melting down again and everyone's going to be cursing crypto to high heaven but then it's gonna then it most likely i don't know this is not financial advice it could go to it could go to 150 you know so it'll go back up And that's the weird thing is like trying to temper that certainty because like you shouldn't be able to know something like that because it feels wrong. But I will say that like, if you, well, you can just look at the pattern of what it's done since inception and you don't have to like guess, just look at what it would look at how, look at how the animal has behaved. And it's, it all goes to mathematical, you can chart it mathematically. I mean, once you learn technical analysis and you can look at, you know, you just see that it's completely reacts to, that was an amazing magical lesson too. You see that everything, including the main market, just reacts to, you know, like um, specific moving average lines or Fibonacci sequences. And so it's like, it's like you're looking at something developing in nature. So you got to stop reading headlines. And then I think the best thing, particularly from listening to professional traders talk, the thing that I really took away, like the one thing I took away from all those like hundred hours of listening and all that was that it seems to me that the trick quote unquote to markets, the mental is that you just have to flip the emotional, the normal emotional response. Like that's it. It's just like literally you have to be it's like the classic thing. You have to be greedy when it's when you know, there's blood in the streets and and scared when it's at the top. And that's it. But that react it's like so hard to get out of that emotional reactivity. But it's hard until you, just you have to do flip it. it. I feel like you know, there's like it's like anything in life. Like there was something that used to be hard for you to do that's now second nature, whether it's like driving a car or like, you know whatever it is like it is a skill that can be learned it's just most of it requires us like uncovering and dealing with some strong relationships to money and the energy of money and how it's used in society and our relation all that stuff and that's like that's a heavy thing but it's pretty rewarding i feel like if you can like take on that 
like I in no way have solved that equation, but I know that I've made enough progress on it where I can recognize this, the difference. And it's not just based on how much money I've had. Because like I said, I had more a year ago by almost 10 times his amount, but I am way more chill in that's every great. possible way now than that's, I am then. So it's that's like, just it, very valuable in life in general, you know. That's great. You want to talk about NFTs because we're kind of on it. The NFT market bottomed also. Like, I did you have the same experience with me? Like, the amount of hatred for NFTs it was so intense. It really, I mean, okay, monkey JPEGs, I get it. But like, I was looking at NFTs and it's like, look, all these artists that I know that weren't making money are now making money. What's the problem? So, people, I think because this is, and this is where it gets weird because we start like, bumping up against like, you know, not necessarily like woke movements, but whatever kind of intellectual or social viewpoints that people have are very easily coerced and manipulated. And this one that NFTs are somehow bad for the environment or they're extrative and like somehow there was enough of a campaign that truly convinced a large swath of people that there's something wrong with this inherently or it's like a step into some dystopian future that yeah. lacks meaning and purpose and it's just like i i don't know how one could maintain that as a an attitude with at least looking into seeing if that's true and like does this benefit a creator who i enjoy like are they able now to like do well and do yeah. more of what i enjoy it's like what? i know it's like, like think what? think about how think pre previous to nfts and for people who haven't got into them like think about what what the reality of people who are digital artists or just artists in general is it's like like you put out art then people steal it copy the jpeg and then put it everywhere and it, they just rip it off and you have no recourse or if you're or if you're a musician i think when nft kicks in for music royalties that's going to be awesome that's gonna that's a that's the real game changer but you know it's like we've we unfortunately were trained since the late since napster since is sean parker and napster is like the late 90s we were trained to expect everything for free and and that's hit artists worse than anyone so now finally art, artists figured out or you know now there's a way for artists to get around that and actually monetize and everyone's angry it's like really do you just want artists to continue starving like come on you can't win think about it and i think you know if you really do believe that because of the energy usage of the ethereum blockchain it's somehow the transference of these things like is like burning the rainforest somewhere there's like he bought an nft torch the rainforest <laughs> now we got the signal it's like yeah people don't think about what the regular traditional system cost like oh yeah I, the funny no, it, it's just crypto is just a scapegoat i mean like ethereum is going to proof of stake but now everything's on polygon and polygon has like zero environmental cost so that's yeah. basically already solved but yeah, yeah but that's the thing it's like you're angry at nfts have you looked at everything else going on in the world there is no shortage of things to be absolutely furious about i mean the the u.s united states spent 20 years conducting a war in afghanistan just to launder money allegedly for a, <laughs> just to launder money for a few people it's like like have you looked at the amount that people like you know the the people in control are have stolen from everyone and you're mad at nfts like Jesus, what's the deal the, the necessary escape i don't know why people are like that i do think it's something that when people catch on to the potential and unique kind of uses of nfts is like digital identifiers that can be verified that's going to get 
really cool. I agree with the music stuff. The music stuff is tough because ultimately being able to listen to a piece of music is you can't really like make someone own that. But if you really want to support someone like that's to me where it's really cool is like the connections that can be made by like, Hey, I love this artist and I want to be known as someone who loves this artist. That's a connection. If that could be verified or seen for people that has value. And I think when people really figure out how to do that, when it's like ubiquitous and like people are actually like, you know, whether it's web three or going around with digital avatars in the metaverse, like when people can display that, to their peers in a way that feels organic, that's going to probably be when we start to see people like truly accept yeah. NFTs or, you know, that's the, what yeah, I think, I think particularly with music. I mean, obviously there's rights management on the blockchain and being able to re- use things. But I think, but one thing Gary V pointed out is with music is like, let's say you're an artist and you want to make an album. Well, you know, forget record deals, just basically crowdfund the album you're going to make by selling NFT, you know, fractional NFTs. And then the people who, or NFTs that are, will go are give you access to it. And then those will like let them profit share in the sales of the album. But one way or the other, just like basically it's, you know, one, one level past Kickstarter, but in a way that people actually own it and benefit from it, crowdfund your art, your, your creative effort as an NFT, or in theory, you could do it as a crypto, but it doesn't make as much sense as NFTs. But the one thing that totally, the one thing that completely shifted my thinking about NFTs, this might've also been a Gary Vee point. I don't remember, but the one thing that totally completely 180% changed my, my, viewpoint on it is i think he said something like you know look everyone's saying nfts are like oh it's just jpegs it's just jpegs it doesn't mean anything right and he said like okay like what is a blue check mark on twitter like a blue check mark on twitter does that mean anything it's just a jpeg but once you have it it might as well be tattooed on your forehead because like we do live in a digital caste system if you have a blue check mark you're like a you know you're considered the the world opens up for you you know i mean it's fucked up that that's how it is but but it is and so you know we do live in a society where social status is real you know like buying a Prada bag is not functionally any different from buying something from Goodwill, but owning a Prada bag, if you live in New York city, definitely means something, you know, it's like social signaling is not inconsequential. This is why, whether you think it's good art or not, that Yuga labs and the board yacht club stuff is like successful is they've tapped into a branded identity that people are happy to display as a flex of either wealth or status. And that all can mean getting to a certain place at like an event or whatever it is, that intersection is probably going to be like, that will get people to understand. Cause like people don't like Rolex is like, is it that cool of a watch? Is it like really the coolest thing to the degree that everyone has them? Cause it's so cool. Or is it a symbol yes. or token of status that you want to display? And like, that that will become, I think, more clear to people. Um, but until then, it's probably just going to be a shit show with the liquid JPEGs. And I haven't seen, I have not invested in any NFT specifically for the art at this point. And I've done well and I've done not well with many NFTs. I think I'm luckily up because of like two or three collections that I bought, like, you know, like a few of. Um, but it's not a, like an art point for me like i'm hiding most of the nfts i bought on OpenSea. i don't want to be reminded of all the stupid (laughs) shit that i bought and how it looks so i mean when that happens 
um again i think that's like when people will start to get this shit and i just think before people are ready for it like they just make fun of it because they don't understand yeah. it which is an unfortunately a natural response for that's a lot inevitable. of people but like yeah, that's people always forget it's just part of the adoption curve of technology like you know like every single medium of technology you look at has always been used for porn and drugs first like even even like like i think if you go back in history like even like you know urns in like decorative urns in ancient greece were used for porn you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, that's just how it goes. And so like, you can't be a purist about this stuff, but you know, the point I make to people is like, by the time the whole world catches on, it's too late. You're you, you need to be an early adopter. And, and that's my attitude towards it. I'm playful with it. I, d I never went, I've tried to buy NFTs as investments, but I've tried to buy big ones and the sites just crash and I can't, you know, so, but my, my main approach has been creating them and trying to learn about the technology. That's cool. And that's something that I only made a couple of forays into and, you know, published a few of them and collaborated with someone else on another. And I think it's very interesting, the ability to do that. But I think it's like a lot of things. Like I look at it like kind of how Patreon was for me. Like I launched Patreon, like, I don't know, like eight years ago or something. And like, I got like, you know, 50 people for like, a year and a half and it was like not that good and like it just wasn't the right iteration of it and then i launched it again like a few years ago and now like i'm not even doing anything on it and people just keep joining and i'm like stop joining wow. like why do i literally am barely doing anything it's just a link to a discord server but i found the right combination of what was working um and i think that's how most of these things will work with like nfts like people are going to iterate in different ways until they get the thing that is authentic and i think if you happen to be a digital artist right now that's great um you could probably find an iteration that's going to work for you like i think i just saw the 100%. tweet thread of this dude who's making less than 10 grand a year has a hundred thousand followers on Twitter and was like, Hey, I'm going to do NFTs. And the comments he was getting from people were like so mean and horrible. And then like the first collection he just did the bid, I think is at like already like 30 ether. So these dudes Damn. already made like five times. Yeah, that's the so amount. ridiculous. I don't, I just, I don't understand it. Like, like I think Neil Gaiman was going to do, you know, now everyone knows about it. Neil Gaiman was going to do an NFT project and he got so much hate on Twitter that they canceled it. And it's just like, you can't, I, I, I it's just ridiculous. It's just troglodytic behavior. But I think that <laughs> I, I really start to see it like that. I, I use the, the, the caveman meat, the meat emoji to represent troglodytes. But for me, it's just like, look, I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting as a creative person to be out on the edge of a new technology. And the way that I look at it particularly nfts because that for me you know nfts are actually more exciting than crypto because you know finance and looking at numbers and lines going up and down is it's cool but for you know it's not creative it's 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 only so interesting and for me it's like well when you combine that with art well now it's super exciting right now and also not just it's not just art it's the idea that you can it's not just that you have to speculate it's that you can actually earn the currency for doing things whatever it is like now now you can earn that's a big deal obviously there's earn to play games like axie infinity and that's that's exploitative and ridiculous but i mean for artists it's great so but the way that i look at it is you know it's still super early days but i want to be in it now and go through my ups and downs with it and make mistakes and learn so that when the wave does come i understand it and i'm ahead you know, I can catch you the way will be. That's like, I think it's just a matter of time in and persistence. Like it's still so early on that like, if you just stay at, it's like the same thing. Like most people, if they bought at the peak of 2000, 
17, right? The absolute Bitcoin peak, 20 grand, right around there, right? And they held until last year, they would have been up. Like, that's just yeah. unfortunately just zoom out. true. Zoom out. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, I, well, I, I was, look, I, look, I was buying Ethereum when it was a dollar and I didn't hold. Okay. So like I was, I was buying Ethereum when it was pre-release and, and then I sold at the hack, the Dow hack. Yeah. So I try not to think about that. I try not to think about that very much. <laughs> it makes sense. But I mean, the truth is, is like, there are still every cycle multiple currencies. Like if you would have got into the AVAX, uh, presale, you would have made the same multiples that you could have made from Ethereum. You know, it was less than a dollar for the presale. The allocation was like 10 grand or whatever it was. So, I mean, like it's these things still exist and it's a matter of like finding, I just think ultimately though, it's just about a community of people. Like that's the biggest success I ever had was this server. I started um, in 2017, this discord server when I was teaching people how to do shit, cause most people didn't know how to do it. Now I don't teach people pretty much anything and they just tell me stuff. And I'm like, awesome. Thank you. Like I learned about Uniswap, Uniswap summer, DeFi summer, two years ago from my server. Like, so those resources are invaluable because you will find people who are like nice and cool. They do exist in yeah, the crypto space, and they're not there just to like rip you off and fuck you over. And you find like you know a few dozen of those people, a few hundred of those people. Your combined brain power um, is you can do some shit. So that's really exciting. And it seems to me that NFTs are a hundred percent that way too. It's like supportive groups of artists. Yeah. It's all, it's all community. So maybe we should, maybe we should come to a close around there just, and I'm just going to ask the question, is it still early days? Is it too late? And how can people get involved, whether it's crypto or NFTs, if they're just starting now or want to get back into it? Definitely still early days. I can say that pretty confidently for crypto, just this space as a technology. Um, there are a variety of ways to get involved. Like I said, finding a community um, is probably the best thing to do. You can literally Twitter, crypto Twitter, people on Twitter can be really good resources. They can also be really bad echo chambers. So make sure that you find someone who you feel you can trust because you actually know them. Um, there are enough people who you probably know from other areas of life who also know about crypto. A lot of people aren't like me because they don't want to take the flack for talking about crypto and seeming like a lunatic who are into this shit and actually like have experience doing yeah, it. There's such a social it. there's such a social penalty for even talking about NFTs. It's so dumb. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people don't want to pay that price understandably because it's like you just why would you want to deal with that? noise like it's not even worth it so but other than that to get involved i mean your basic maneuvers are going to be getting set up with some fiat on ramp off ramp i don't like the company but i use them which is coinbase there's gemini there's kraken there's plenty of other options if you really want to like figure out how to do it um but that's your first goal and then you're probably going to start getting connected to decentralized applications on any number of chains facilitated by like a centralized wallet like not a centralized uh, a non-custodial wallet um like metamask or whatever the shit people are using these days ledger i think now is doing a web browser application oh, there's cool. a lot of things coming Coinbase up Coinbase has one also 
Coinbase just launched. Yeah, Robinhood is launching one. So these are going to be easier tools where they sound like abstract concepts right now. It'll be very clear how to use these tools sooner rather than later. Well, it's going to get... You just, I mean, yeah. you, you saw that Instagram is integrating NFTs now. Both Twitter and Instagram are going to have NFT in- integration. So yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah. Twitter already has the hexagon type thing if you have a verified uh, Ethereum NFT. It'll be interesting to see what happens with various layer one. That to me, like the biggest thing going on in crypto right now isn't necessarily about the finance stuff. It's these layer one, layer two application competitions that are going on because no one's certain whether people know that Bitcoin is not the best way to have money or run a global computer like Ethereum. People think Ethereum is that because it's the dominant one right now, but there are a whole host of other um, solutions that are being presented as Ethereum killers or at the base layers. It will most likely be a combination of these things. And the interoperability, I think, is probably the narrative to look into for the next cycle because being able to move back and forth between chains seamlessly um, is an important thing that people are going to no, no one chain is going to dominate them all in the next cycle. I just don't believe that. Maybe eventually, but not in the next cycle. So those narratives are worth paying attention to. Um, and I do think it's worthwhile focusing on one or maybe a f- at most a few, but really just learn one ecosystem, layer one, or even if it's a layer two, whatever it is, learn one chain and the ecosystem really well. And it's, it seems to me that if it's for you, that's what it seems to me that, that Ethereum and Polygon for layer one and two would be a good place to the obvious place to start. I hate Polygon personally. Why? It's why? Matic. Matic is my least favorite chain. I've probably operated. Wait, tell me it's why. I like favorite. it. It's not. Well, the thing is, is like I I found their bridge solutions early on to be completely convoluted. Okay, that's and just definitely not true. That that's definitely they didn't true. work that yes. well. I know now because of like Synapse and other protocols that connect, it's not a big deal. I also found that like every project I ever invested on in Matic eventually was some type of like soft rug or hard rug. Like they didn't have the best rep in terms of protocols that were working there. But I will say this about Matic, just from like an investment standpoint, they land every major partnership for real though, like real partnerships that it blows my mind how dominant they are in the sphere of connecting with real companies that already have traditional value, like Meta, all these companies they're partnering with. So like it's, it's, I don't like to use it as a chain um, just because I found it not to be like the best user experience for me, but that's not to say that the bridging is is expensive and a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay. So, where can people find out about you? And also, what's next for you? Are you going to become a VC next? Yeah. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're doing some fun things with like inadvertent fund management <laughs> on one of the projects we launched last year. But the best place, like right now, I'm primarily on uh, this CryptoSync server, which is through the Patreon. Um, but it basically, you can join once. I think it's like $7.77 and you can cancel and you have lifetime membership. And the reason I do that, I want to be very clear, like definitely don't need the money, but it's about, I do find when people pay for something, even if it's a nominal amount, it makes them take it a little bit more seriously. Like they feel like they have to get their value out of it. And that's worthwhile doing in crypto. Um, And I just know as a community how much it's helped me. So I I do recommend that. And that's just like a good place to get started. Is that the server you were just talking about or a different one? 
the same same server same okay. server it's it's crypto sync it's it's through my patreon it's like cool. and then I'm from gonna, there there's a million out. other places you can go but um i point all of my friends there all of my family like it's just i've that's where i've had all of my wins and i'm lucky enough to like you know it's it's still a cool place a lot of these communities can be very toxic because like people really get over invested and dev do something my family <laughs> but you know it's basically people are pretty cool there and we've seen people go through ups and downs we've seen people hold and not hold and you know sell when they shouldn't have and not sold when they you know all these things and so like the collective pool of experience i think is invaluable there not that i really want to plug my own shit. and then next like i'm going to try to get back to podcasting i took like a pretty nice. big hiatus i was just focusing on this shit, truthfully um in addition to having another kid but like nice, it basically yeah thanks so like it, it, it this crypto shit, like if you put in the time and effort and the right mindset i think it's one of those asymmetric bets these rare opportunities where you kind of can break that system and i don't want to make it seem like this pie in the sky like lottery ticket magical thinking reality but you can get results that seem to be harder to get in other spheres and it could be as simple as like hey my friend told me about this thing and you're like oh yeah is this someone who can be trusted and they're like yeah like this is his record it could literally be as simple as that and that's rare that you and i would be able to get tips like that in other environments like we're not beasties so yeah well, I'm looking forward to your your VC fund, though. For some reason, I keep yeah. thinking about that. <laughs> it's it's weirdly in its infancy. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, it was super good to reconnect. Let's let's stay uh, let's stay in touch for sure. Totally, man. This has All been right. great. Good to see you, now. Yeah, dude. Okay. Bye. All right. Hope you really really enjoyed that show. I really enjoyed talking to noah that was great remember bitcoin insider my master training on bitcoin blockchain and cryptocurrency is i just decided on sale for the next week 50 percent off with the code ultra culture one word bitcoininsider.io all the awesomeness you have come to expect at magic.me great video handouts pamphlets uh, or rather workbooks everything but tuned completely to bitcoin and cryptocurrency and mastering that world check it out bitcoininsider.io code is ultraculture lots of love see you next time